The Holy Gospel according to John, the sixth chapter. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were beside the sea, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hungry, be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. God's beloved people, grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. They made it about six weeks. Their ancestors had endured four centuries of slavery in Egypt. They experienced the miraculous deliverance their ancestors hadn't dared dream of. The Passover, the parting of the Red Sea, the freedom from Pharaoh and all his armies. And yet it took only six weeks for the whining to begin. Why did you bring us out here, Moses? We should have died in Egypt. This desert is hot. I'm hungry. What are you trying to do, kill us? Are we there yet? And then there was the complaint I imagine was God's personal favorite. We liked it better in Egypt. Can't we go back? As someone who has worked with kids for 30 years, either as a teacher or pastor or parent, I do consider myself somewhat of an expert on whining. In my less patient moments, I consider it the wrath of God, some kind of sick punishment for every time I whined as a child. In my wiser moments, I realize that complaining is the outward manifestation of inward tension and anxiety. I think this was the case for the Hebrew people, wandering through the desert with nothing but a promise. They left the life they had known and they stepped into a wilderness life they knew nothing about, a life that was growing more disorienting and tenuous by the day. If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. Flesh pot isn't a word you hear much these days. 
It refers to the kettle of meat from which the slaves had received their meals. Moses' band of followers were what we might call these days hangry, hungry and angry at the same time. They needed food, but they also needed the assurance that the bold action of faith they had taken was not in vain. I think we live in a flesh pot world. If flesh pot represents a full belly and an ordered, predictable routine, I live a flesh pot life. I know where I'm going to sleep tonight and that there is plenty of food in my refrigerator. I have reliable transportation, bank accounts, a retirement plan. I want to think of myself as a courageous person, a faithful person willing to go wherever God calls me. But disruption is tough. Uncertainty is difficult. The Hebrew people had only known bondage until God showed up and disrupted it all with this call to freedom. They left their familiar rhythms and routines and followed Moses and Aaron into the desert. And there they encountered God in a whole new way. Verse 10 reads, As Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them in the cloud. In the midst of their whining and their lack of gratitude, while they were hot and sweaty and hungry, not knowing where they were going or how they were going to get there, the people of God beheld the glory of God in a new and powerful way. It was awe-inspiring. It is as if God called to them from the pillar of cloud, you're looking the wrong direction for your security. It is not back in Egypt. All you need is right here. Your strength and your hope are out here in the vulnerable place with me. Stay with me through the uncertainty and the insecurity, and I will give you what you need for each day. I don't envy the Israelites. This kind of radical trust is so difficult. We go to great lengths to not be challenged in this way. Comfort and security, I think, are two of our favorite idols. This story gets me every time because I am a manna hoarder. I like knowing that I have more than enough to get by. I like a well-planned, well-ordered future. The honest truth is, of my own volition, I may never choose the wilderness over the safety and security of the flesh pots. But the wilderness has a way of finding us, even when we do not choose it. Human life is by nature vulnerable and uncertain. A loved one receives a diagnosis that challenges familiar routines. An accident happens out of the blue. A job disappears unexpectedly. A relationship ends. Anxiety or depression mysteriously grab hold of us, disorienting us and threatening our security. No one gets through this life without time in the wilderness, 
not even Jesus. But contrary to what our fear tells us, the wilderness is not a place of abandonment or death. This story reminds us that it can be a place of spiritual growth, a place where we experience the glory of God in new and powerful ways. When we are stripped of all of our idols, all of the false narratives we tell ourselves about our independence, our self-sufficiency, in that moment of vulnerability, we find again and again that God is present, giving us not everything we want, but that which we need. The manna and quail story is not only about food, it is about faith, about living one day at a time, leaning into God's promises. It is about trusting that God will provide what we need, whatever the circumstances we find ourselves in. This one day at a time living is a tough spiritual discipline. Just ask anyone who is working a recovery program. It takes a good deal of intention and practice. Our faith tradition helps us with this. It lays a pattern for us. Each week we partake of this small piece of bread and a taste of wine in which Christ is present with his promise of sufficient, sustaining grace for each day. And how many times have you prayed the words, give us this day our daily bread? Do you know that that petition is the center of the Lord's Prayer? The Lord's Prayer is written as a Hebrew chiasm, which means that it moves from in parallel lines from the ends to the middle. And at the middle of a Hebrew chiasm is a line that stands on its own that's meant to be the center of the whole piece of writing. At the center of the Lord's Prayer is this petition, give us this day our daily bread. Each time we pray it, we acknowledge our dependence on God for all that we truly need. Daily bread may come in the form of food. It also comes to us as the mercy we need in order to live in relationship with God and in turn with each other. Daily bread comes to us as the compassion we need to follow in the steps of Jesus. It comes as the courage we need to live the gospel even when the world doesn't welcome it. Daily bread comes to us as the peace and the hope we need to weather the storms of this life. Morning by morning, God grants us these gifts. More than refrigerators stocked with food or cellars full of wine, more than impressive bank balances, or calendars that organize all of our time and give us a sense of worth. These are the gifts we need to live as the body of Christ in the world. All of them come to us like bread from heaven. All of them come from God's gracious hand. May we step into the freedom of this promise. 
May all the promises that are ours in Christ give us comfort and courage for the living of these days. Thanks be to God. Amen. We sing together, and if you have prayer cards, just hold those up, and the ushers will gather them.